Welcome to the Church of the Redeemers Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will enjoy this week's service, and we hope that you will follow us at www.cotrb.org, and may God continue to bless you. Father, once again we come before you just to say thank you. Thank you, God, for another day, God. Thank you, God, for we know that now is the time that we need you, God. So as I stand behind this sacred desk, God, I ask that you consecrate me afresh, that the people may not see me, but see you and hear you, God. We believe, God, that all we have to do is just ask in Jesus' name, and you said it shall be done, God. Breathe on these are your people that are listening from all over, God. We pray and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, I greet you with grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just good to be in the house one more time. We know that this is not by accident, but by God's divine providence. I can open my door and see all the stuff coming down. But it shouldn't stop us from praising the Almighty God. Amen? This morning I will be coming from the book of 2 Kings, beginning at chapter 4, verse 1. This is 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. I'll be reading for your hearing verses 1 through 7. A very familiar passage of scripture. I want to share with you this passage. And it reads as follows. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thou servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elijah said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thy handmaiden had nothing, not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come into thy Shall when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door unto thee and upon thy sons, and shall pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her. And she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, 
that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Verse 7. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay thou debt and live thou though and thy children of the rest. The word of the Lord. Think with me from this thought this morning. Making something out of nothing. Making something out of nothing. The Bible declares that God made the world out of nothing. He created it. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. See, everything that exists started with God. That means every star in the sky. That means every planet in existence, every plant that covers the earth, every mineral on the earth, every creature that walks the earth, and every person that's you and me. Formlessness, that is what God sees. Yet, in his creativity, he can see, we can, he can see what we can become. See, he can fashion our lives anew. See, unlike the nursery rhyme of Humpty Dumpty, who had a great fall and could not be put back together again, thus he was left in broken pieces. You see, we can be formed and reformed. See, God has the power to reshape lives using the same clay. God can take the broken up pieces God can take the broken up dreams. God can take the broken up lives and recreate them into something, making something out of nothing. See, all the time God allows our scenarios in life to get hopeless. He allows our efforts to become fruitless. He allows our knowledge and instincts to prove useless in order that we will see that it is he who works within us, through us, and with his power. Have you ever lost hope in any area of your life? Maybe fear has choked your hope. Maybe failure has defeat, has defeat, and, and, and maybe failure had maybe failure and defeat have strangled your hope. Maybe disappointment has suffocated your hope. Maybe you've lost hope for something and you can't figure out why. Sometimes in life, it seems like the rich gets richer. The poor gets poorer. The wicked live longer and the righteous die sooner. And life sometimes takes all we have 
and then we find ourselves asking what can make us better. And we have and then asked to us, we're called to make something out of nothing. See, even if the bottom has fallen out of your world, I want you to know that God hasn't fallen off the throne and you have not fallen either. See, no matter what happened in our lives, we have not lost our place in Christ. Say to yourself, thank God. And therefore, we have not lost our inheritance either. See, the good news is God's will has not changed because of our circumstances. Let me say that again. God's will has not changed because of your circumstances. Because you find yourself liking God's will has not changed. It's just that it's not ready to be birthed in your life. And it never will. I know there are times that it looks like God's will has changed. But we can be assured that it never will. Because his word won't return to him void. He said, lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. No matter what you're going through, he said, my will for your life has not changed. Sometimes we got a hearing problem. That's the problem. Not God's will. Since African Americans, we have a rich history of challenges and struggles that we've had to overcome. There are many who have made something out of nothing. Just to name a few, some of you may not know, Reginald Lewis was born to a working class family in East Baltimore. His strong work ethic led him to Virginia State College and then Harvard University where he obtained a law degree. He became a, an elite Wall Street deal maker, and he started the TLC Group. The TLC Group is the Lewis Company, buying out Beatrice International Foods with a net worth estimated by Forbes magazine at five at four hundred million in 1992. He became the wealthiest black man in history. And unfortunately, he died unexpectedly from brain cancer in 1993 at the age of 50 years old. But the point for sharing that, because the point for sharing is that he made something out of nothing with God's help. Oprah Winfrey, who was born to an extremely poor family in rural Mississippi. She suffered countless tragedies while she was a young girl, was able to snag a scholarship to Tennessee State University at the age of 19, and was the first African-American television correspondent in the state. Oprah took a daytime talk show and transformed it into a hugely profitable brand 
including a magazine, a television network, and countless other business ventures. She was dubbed as the richest African American in the 20th century. Again, making something out of nothing. And I just always like to put a pin in it with God's help. Here's another one. Ursula Burns is another super inspirational woman who was facing a whole lot of odds and had to overcome them all. She grew up in a housing project in New York City, raised by a single mother. Burns started as an intern at Xerox Corporation. She was able, after struggling through countless schools and universities, to climb the corporate ladder of success to become the first African-American female to serve as a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Again, she was making something out of nothing with God's help. So I just wanted to make sure that we had a black history snapshot so we can understand and know what this message is all about. God can take a little and make a lot. Then it brings me to my grandmother. I'm convinced that my grandmother, like many other grandmothers, had a God-gifted ability to always make something out of nothing. She could prepare an entire meal with a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And there will be leftovers for the next few days. And oftentimes, I would doubt her and say, nothing, could, nothing good can come out of this situation. And if I had to learn, if I had learned anything from my grandmother, is that in order to make life worth living, one must choose to see the best in a situation. One should always try to make something out of nothing. That brings me to our story and our text. We are introduced to a woman who finds herself between a rock and a hard place. The issue of life had served her a lemon and dared her to make lemonade because sometimes life just doesn't seem fair. The text says, now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the son of the prophet until Elijah. The woman, the widowed wife of one of the sons of the prophet, according to well-known theologians, the prophet that died, it was Obadiah. He had debt and no means to pay for them. He died and left her debt, and she had no means to pay for it. Even dedicated people training for ministry have trials and tribulations. Let me say that again. Just 
just because you're a church or just because you're in church or just because you're a deacon or trustee or, or pastor or preacher, that don't mean you don't have trials and tribulations. We have to understand that. See, the legal system in Israel would not allow her to declare bankruptcy. See, it's so easy for us today when we run out of money or we run out of uh, finances, we just declare bankruptcy. Matter of fact, you can, you can die today and don't have to worry about anything. They just, your, your debt is, uh, is gone. But back then, even if you died, your debt had to be paid by others. She had to give up her sons as what is called an indenture, meaning she had they had to be placed under contract to other creditors as payment for the debt. Some of us running up credit card bills left and right, saying, I'm up in age. If I die, I ain't got to worry about it. But back then, if you ran up a credit card bill, they would come and get your family. See, the Mosaic law gave a creditor the right to claim the person and children of a debtor who was unable to pay. And they were ob obligated to serve him as slaves till the year of Jubilee. Because when they were, when the year of Jubilee came, then they would be once more set free. This is found in Leviticus, the 25th chapter, verses 39 through 40. So Elisha, the prophet, knew this particular man and that he had a reputation for godliness. That's what the text says. The woman says, thou servant, my husband is dead, and thou knowest that thou servant did fear the Lord. See, her friends forsake her and refuse to help her. She makes this the basis of her claim for the prophet's assistance. See, the world which had smiled upon her in the days of her prosperity now with fickleness turn its back upon her. Remember when you run out of money, no different than the prodigal son. Remember when he left home, he took all that he asked his father and his father gave him. And he had a posse around him that you wouldn't believe. But as soon as he ran out of money, just like this woman, your friends will go in another direction. See, the remedy to this woman's situation was given to the prophet. And God during this time would always make sure that his prophets knew what the remedy of what God had already called it to be. So this morning, I want to share with you Three points that I see in this text. The first thing that I see in the text, after the woman had went to Elijah and pleaded her case. Verse 2 says, And Elijah said to her, 
What shall I do to thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? The first thing that I see, God starts with what we have. Starts with what you have. See, God uses what we have. God always begins by using what we have in our hand. You already have been given what you need to begin to create your future. Don't find yourself saying, if only I had this, if only this was different, if only I had more money, then I could do what I'm supposed to do. Stop making those excuses. Never let what you think you can't do keep you from doing what you can do. See, prolonged idleness paralyzes initiatives. Do not wait for special circumstances to act. Use ordinary situations. See, everybody must roll with the oars that they've been given. See, God often begins with what we already have. That's why the prophet said, well, what do you have in the house? If you ever know, if you ever borrowed money from a bank, the first thing they ask you, they say, what kind of collateral do you have? What kind of job do you have? How long you been on the job? This is the same thing with God. He starts with what you already have. Moses had a rod in his hand, and God used that to accomplish great things. Samson had the jawbone of a dead donkey in his hand, and he slew over a thousand Philistine men. Peter and James and the sons of Zebedee, they had fishing nets in their hand and went on to become fishers of men. The young lad that had five loaves and two fishes, Jesus took the lunch buck, the boy's lunch, and fed over 5,000 folk. What do you have in your hand? See, true greatness consists of being great in little things. There is always something in our hand. Every life has some capacity. God says to each of us, what's in your hand? God can take any insignificant, useless thing or a person and use it for his glory. Now listen, anytime God confronts you with your potential, he causes you to face or confront your past. To every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of God. And perhaps the hardest lesson that anyone can learn is to believe that every gift from heaven is of equal fundamental worth. And all that the poor widow had was a little oil in a vessel. But little is much when it's in God's hand. I know the text says that the woman says that a handmaiden had not only anything in the house save a pot of oil. But I want you to know the pot 
that's mentioned here, the original meaning is it was a little jug. It was a flask. It was a, 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 a pot of oil or a jug of oil that was used to anoint people. It wasn't Crisco and it wasn't Western. It wasn't the cooking oil. It was just a little bit of oil that was used to anoint people. So God starts with what you have in your hand. So when she told the prophet that that's what she had, he said to her, go borrow the vessels abroad. He said, go and knock on all your neighbor's doors. Get whatever empty vessels that they have. He said, don't just ask for a few, get many. He said, and then when you do that, he says, and when thou have come into the house, he says, shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons. That brings me to my next point. And the point is, shut the door. See, Elijah, Elisha instructed her to shut the door so that nobody would see that a miracle was occurring in the house. See, the miracle was to be performed secretly. Just like the song I played earlier, The Secret Place. Attention was not to be called to it. Perhaps because otherwise, the prophet would have been overwhelmed with applications from others. Perhaps because the act was not a mere mechanical one, but required the hearts of the woman and of her sons to be lifted up in prayer and adoration and thankfulness to God for the mercy which he was bestowing upon them. See, interruption from the outside would have interfered with the frame of mind which was befitting for the occasion. See, this reminded me of Matthew chapter 6. When Jesus said to his disciples, he said, When thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, he said, Pray to your Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which is in secret, See if in secret and shall reward you openly. See, in other words, Jesus was saying you got to do it privately. He says, have a personal, private, purposeful conversation with your heavenly father. You see, Jesus was saying prayer is a mighty instrument. Not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. That's why I told you earlier, God's will doesn't change. Our attitude may change. Our motivation may change. But God's will will never change. Are we willing to shut the doors of confusion in our lives? Are we willing to shut out distractions? Are we willing to shut the door of strife in our lives? 
Are we willing to shut the door of bickering and complaining? Are we willing to shut the doors of always the same old mess over and over again? See, in order to hear from God, we must make ourselves available to God with the proper attitude and learned discernment. God promised to get us to where we, he wants us to be, but he knows we can't do it on our own, even with the best intentions. If we let him, he would shut the door and he would keep it closed, allowing us to tune in to what really is worth listening to. I know you got your favorite radio station that you tune in every day. Now I'm asking you, church, to tune in to what God is saying is saying now and has been saying and is still continuing to say to you. He said, that's why you got to close the door. You got to keep out stuff. Because if you can keep that stuff out, then you can hear from me. Elijah tells this woman, I know you think what you have is only a little, but if you do what I'm suggesting for you to do. If you take my advice, no, take what God has given me to share with you. It's going to blow your mind. Just take that little cruise of oil, take it into the house. He said, but before you get all the way in there and your son just close the door. And I'm saying to the church today that sometimes we got to shut some stuff out of our lives. We got to allow God to be God in our lives. We got to keep out confusion in our lives. God said, just shut the door. And he said, I'll blow your mind. That brings me to my third point. He goes on and says, And he said to her, after you done shut the door and your sons are there with you and you shall pour out into all those vessels. Remember he told her to go and collect all these vessels from my neighbors. Get as many as you can get and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So which so she went from him and she shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out the, from the vessel. And it came to pass that when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, there is not a vessel more, and the all still stay. This brings me to my final point. God will meet our needs. All we have to do is just be obedient to what God has said. See, the mouth of all that the woman received was bound by the number of vessels she had, and that was controlled by her faith. In other words, Matthew tells us, according to your faith, 
let it be unto you. The Lord doesn't always perform miracles of this kind to help us pay our debt, but he does meet our need if we just trust and obey him. If we give everything to him, he can make a little go a long way. It was through Elisha counsel. The widow was able to pay her debt and maintain herself and her family. See, this was done by a miracle as to show what the best method is to assist those who are in distress, which is to help them to improve by their own industry of what little they may have. I know you don't think you have a lot, but you have God in your life, and that's more than enough. The oil sent by a miracle continued to flow in as long as she had empty vessels to receive it. We are never limited in God or in the riches of his grace. All of our limitations are of ourselves. The more pots that you have, God will continue to fill them. The text said, and the oil stayed even when there were no more vessels. Sometimes we have to understand there's an overflow that continues to happen in our lives. It is our faith that fails, not God's promises. He gives more than we ask. Where there are more vessels, there is enough to God to fill them, enough for all. And each one of us needs to know that God will continue to fill your pots. This miracle reminds me of the greatest miracle of all, the gracious forgiveness of our debts to the Lord through the faith of Jesus Christ. I'm done, but I gotta tell you a story. Everybody in their homes have what is called an appliance. It's in a device or a piece of equipment designed to perform a specific task. Such appliances like a toaster, a refrigerator, a stove, a microwave, a coffee pot, and the list goes on and on. Each one has its own unique reason for being. They have different parts that make them operate differently and independently from each other. Now, if that appliance operates outside of its reason for being, we have a problem. See, in other words, if you want to cook things in the refrigerator and freeze things in the stove, you are going to have a difficult situation because that's not what the workmanship of those products were designed to do. See, the toaster does not tell the creator what it is he's going to do, nor does the microwave tell the creator what he is going to do. 
It is the creator that dictates to the appliance the reason why the appliance exists. Therefore, the appliance does whatever it has been designed to do. In the same way, we are God's creation and he dictates to us why we exist and can tell us what we are designed to do. And that's why he can make something out of nothing. He gives us our purpose. If we operate outside of that reason for being, then we experience problems. Walking in the purpose God designed for us is how we fulfill our unique reason for being. God can make something out of nothing. A person who has no faith can be brought to faith. A person that lives in a sinful life and hurtful life can be brought to goodness. A person that is surrounded by suffering and disease and unrest can be brought to a place of healing. We can all be saved from our nothingness and made into something. It's the idea that God can take a bad situation and make things better. And that although we are all sinners, we are all forgiven through the work of Jesus Christ. Making something out of nothing. Right now I want to open the doors of the church. I want to extend the invitation to discipleship. There may be somebody on the phone. There may be somebody looking at us via Facebook. And if you don't know Jesus Christ in the pardon of your sins, all you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Salvation is yours. It said, whosoever will, let him come. If you're looking for a church home, the Church of Redeemer is available. All you have to do is call us through the week, any day but Monday, and we will call you back, leave your name and your phone number, and we will lead you through the plan of salvation. If you've never been baptized, if you don't know this Jesus Christ, we're saying, whosoever will, let him come. That's all I have for you, the church. I want to close with a prayer, and then I'll end with benediction. Let us pray. We thank thee, O God, for the spiritual nature of man. We are in nature, but we live above nature. Help us never to let anybody or any condition to pull us so low as to cause us to hate. Give us strength to love our enemies and do good to those who despitefully use us and persecute us. We thank thee for thy church founded upon thy word that challenges us to do more than just sing and pray. But go out and work as though the very answer to our prayers depend on us and not upon thee. Then finally, O oh God, help us to realize that man was created to shine like stars and live on through all eternity. Give us, we pray, in the perfect peace. Help us to walk together, pray together, sing together, live together until that day when all God's people, black, white, red, yellow, will rejoice in the common cause. 
that you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We love you, God. We thank you for this day, for this is the day that you have made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Let us look to the Lord for the benediction. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Father, both majesty and glory, dominion and power, both henceforth and forevermore, we say, Amen.